Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. We are, um, we are Jake mentioned this, uh, just over the next few months, there are probably some ways that if you're if Oak City Church has been your church for a while, we're going to do things a little bit differently when it comes to our order of service. And um, that is in church world called the liturgy. How many of you, when I say liturgy, have any idea what I'm talking about? Okay, a handful of you. How many of you, when I say liturgy, it kind of scares you and gives you the heebie-jeebies? Nobody. Anybody grow up like Catholic or Episcopalian or Anglican? Or Those are high church, real strict liturgy. I grew up in, up north in Wisconsin, and half my friends were Catholics. So they had liturgy, and they said the same thing every single week, and it meant nothing to them. So I, I kind of be, got saved in a low church, low, like low church, low liturgy church, and ran away from it. Over the past few years, um, t- about 10 years ago, someone said, Pat Downing was on staff at the time and leading worship, and they said, hey, every church has a liturgy. But just that some churches' liturgy is bad because they don't really know what it is. And Pat and I were like, oh, oh, they're right. Our liturgy is three songs, a message, and two songs. And, uh, and since that time, we've been thinking, man, we probably should be more intentional. And, and we are intentional, but more intentional in how we approach the Lord. So there's some things that we're going to do a little bit differently. And the goal of that is to be, I think people hear liturgy and think that's boring and like disengaging, is to really be engaged in the proper way towards the Lord and to be intentional about how we approach him. So this is one that we're going to do, not maybe every week, but occasionally. And we've done this before, but I love this, is, is there's some churches where they stand to read the word of the Lord, and then the reader will say, this is the word of the Lord. And then the church will respond, thanks be to God. And I, this is in Nehemiah, they do this when they return from exile, which is kind of what we're doing. And then they realize the value of the word of the Lord, and they weep. Because they've, they've missed the word of the Lord. And so in a, in a day and age where I feel like we collectively as a culture are eating from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and saying, God, we're smarter than you and we don't need your word. More than ever, I think it's important for us to cling to his word and to value his word and lift up his word. And so that's why we're going to do this one. So stand up. I'm going to read the first bit of this passage. I'm going to ask you to read the last few verses. I'll let you know when just to read them along with me. And then I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and you'll say, thanks be to God. So, but whatever gain, this is Philippians chapter 3, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that depends on faith that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings and become like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And this is the part I want us to read together, okay? You ready? You ready? No, you're not ready? Not ready? Next part. Okay. Not that I have attained, already obtained, sorry. Sorry, we'll start over. Start over. I'll read from that one too. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal 
for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, you guys can have a seat, and you said, thanks be to God. What we should be saying, this is the point of it, is in our hearts being, God, thank you that you have given us your word, right? Like, that's the point of it, is like, thank you, God, that you've given us your word. Okay. Now, before I talk about this verse, we are going to be passing around. This summer, we're just we're regathering. We're getting this thing going. Um, we've been, we had been in rhythms of, like, serving in our children's ministry. We're out of those rhythms. So this summer, we're doing a sign-up genius, and we're just passing that around. We'd love for you to sign up to um, work in our children's class for, for one of these sessions. So that's, just know that that's coming around. This verse has been in my head for months now, and I think for obvious reasons, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize, the upward calling of, um, of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, and it's because for months, for a year, right, I have been in a hard place. <laughs> you have been in a hard place. We've been in a hard place. The church has been in a hard place. The world has been in a hard place. And so this verse, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I've been looking forward to a day where I can wrap up all things COVID-related, stick them in a box or a can or whatever, chuck them in the garbage, and move on. And I know it's not that. We're not, we're not there. But this is a significant transition to start gathering in person in this room on a regular basis. And so I want to go through this passage and then talk about what lies behind that we should be forgetting, what lies ahead that we should be straining towards, and why the church is critical for both these things. And I'm, so I'm going to talk about Paul and what, lied, what Paul was putting in the past and that what Paul was straining forward to and what that means uh, for us. So what lies behind that we should be forgetting? We had a um, home group at the Floyds uh, a few weeks ago, and I noticed this coffee cup. I don't know if you can see that. It says, it's fine. I'm fine, everything's fine, with a dumpster, a dumpster on fire with 2020 on it. Anybody get that? Right, I saw it. I'm like, oh, man, this is it, right? This is it. Everything's fine. We'll just deal with it. We're moving on, whatever. And so, that's so descriptive of what's been happening, and yet so unhealthy. And it's all you can do in the middle of suffering through something is to say, I'm going to put one foot ahead of the other, but not really deal with the thing that you've been suffering through. And so I hope this morning is like a little counseling for me this week and for you today, I hope. What is Paul forgetting? Paul writes this letter to the Philippians in about 62 AD towards what turns out to be the end of his life. Um, he's in his late 50s. He's in prison. Uh, he's in Rome. It's, and now it's not like, it's a white-collar prison probably. You know, it's more more like that than it is like San Quentin or Guantanamo or anything like that, but prison nonetheless. Paul could be forgiven for saying, um, you know, God, if you want me to do something more for you, then get me out of here, you know? Or he could be forgiven for saying, well, God, uh, why should I do something for God when God has done this to me? But he doesn't. He strains forward. Paul has accomplished a lot. He could rest on his laurels and say, I've done enough. I'm an older man. Like, I'm going to rest instead of straining forward, but he doesn't. And I think Paul was forgetting some bad things. Um, you know, he's in, he's in jail. Uh, Paul didn't, he accomplished a lot, but didn't accomplish everything. He said that he wanted to get to Spain. He never gets to Spain. He gets to Rome. Paul was beaten 
like routinely in the course of his ministry and has legitimate trauma from what happened. In Corinthians, he describes it in this way. Um, he says, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one with far greater labors, far more imprisonments. And then he lists it, countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. Danger, 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 like his whole life. Uh, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night. I hate a sleepless night. In hunger and in thirst, often without food. Like, have you ever been hungry? For what God has called you to. In cold and exposure and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. That's a lot to forget that's behind. Paul has a lot of relationships that seem to have been strained or lost at this point. You know, his early ministry partner and just friend was a guy named Barnabas. And it says they had a sharp disagreement at one point. And it never talks about them really reconciling that. And I know that, and some of you know that. Man, that's just hard. It's just hard. He writes a letter to Timothy in the same time frame when he's in prison in Rome and says to Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. You ever felt like you've been deserted? Because that's hard. Uh, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Luke alone is with me. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. He's got some things, some bad things that he's forgetting, right? I think he's forgetting some good things, too. Uh, his ministry was an unqualified success. <laughs> he planted churches throughout Asia Minor and Greece. He discipled ministry leaders to lead those churches. He wrote letters that we are reading right now. Uh, he's been faithful to the mission God called him to in spite of all the obstacles. And yet I think there's value in, in forgetting those things. Forgetting what lies behind doesn't mean wiping them out of your memory, you know. Uh, but I think it does mean we cannot live in the past. We cannot live in the past. And so I think forgetting what lies behind involves two things. It involves treasuring with gratitude the good things and then lamenting with grief the bad things. So treasuring with gratitude the good things. Um, we are entering a season as a family where... Um, I have a, a kid that's just graduating this coming weekend and going to college, and then another one going to college, and so the nest is emptying, and it's just changing. We had staff meeting a few weeks ago, and, and John asked a, a question to the four of us that were there, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how stressful is it that your kids are now getting out of school and your, your schedule changes for the summer? And um, John and Kelly and Tiffany all have young kids, and so they were all like, man, 7, 8, 9. I was sitting there thinking, oh, that's like a 1. You know, I felt guilty. I'm like, should I say that to them or not? I'm like, um, zero. <laughs> They're like, we hate you. But it's, it's just a changing season, you know. 
Now, I treasure the season we've had, we've had to this point. Like, we have, a, we have a little Saturday morning trip down memory lane planned for, for our family where we go to Krispy Kreme and we watch them make donuts and eat some of those donuts because we did that all the time. And we go to the dinosaur museum downtown, the one with the glass thing and the flying dinosaur that we used to go to, especially when we lived downtown. My wife would work on Saturday mornings. I'd take the kids down to the dinosaur museum because it was free and it was fun, you know. We're going to go to Pullen Park and ride the train, maybe the boats, but I think they're too big for the boats at this point, uh, you know. And then we're going to go to the airport and go to the observation deck because we used to do that all the time. And like I, I, like I didn't really want to put that in here because it, it's going to be sacred for me because the, just those memories are so special for us as a family. Uh, but y- you could like live back there. You could pine away from that uh, for that. And I don't think that's how we're supposed to, to live, you know. Or you could think because we're past that, then we're done parenting, you know. It's not. Like there's always something to be straining forwards to. And so treasure with gratitude, the good things. Lament with grief, the bad things. Uh, and you really have to lament to move on to the next thing. And often we don't do that. There was a podcast I was listening to two or three years ago. I'll never forget it. A guy named Terry Wardle. He said, um, life is a series of unlamented losses. And in a fallen world, he's right. That's what it can be if we don't properly lament our losses. And that really um, struck me. The coffee cup is that, like, it's fine, I'm fine, everything's fine. We can pretend when it's fine when it's really not fine. And in the midst of the struggle, that's kind of what you have to do to survive. But then you get past it and you realize, you realize you can face in a different way the reality of what you've gone through. One pastor, Rick Warren, I heard him say a few months ago that he thinks that when COVID starts to lift, a wave of grief is going to pass over us because we're going to be able to realize what we lost. And uh, lamenting found this simple formula a few years ago, and I put this out in the weekly a couple years ago, um, but it was turning, complaining, asking, and trusting. So this is what this pastor said. He said it involves turning intentionally to the Lord with whatever it is that is causing you grief. And, uh, and then complaining respectfully, which we see throughout the Bible. It's the things we think we can't say to God, but you see them all over the place, particularly in the Psalms where people are like, how long, O Lord? Like, why is this happening, God? Where are you, God? And you can do that, and we need to do that. Uh, and so complaining to the Lord, but then asking the Lord for help because he's helped in the past and he's going to help in the future, and so we know he can help, and then placing our trust in him. And we got to do that. I mean, that's what it means to forget what lies behind is to truly lament it. And Paul, in this, um, the little passage I read in the letter to Timothy, he does that. So even with Demas, where he says, in love with this present world, deserted me. He, he has come to grips with what has happened there. And I think in there, because Demas is someone that Paul was discipling, there is a little, like, element of, how did I fail this situation? As a pastor who has watched people like start walking with the Lord and then stop walking with the Lord, it's hard, you know? In the, with Alexander the coppersmith, he said, he's done me great harm. He didn't say, it's fine, everything's fine, I'm fine. No, he did me great harm. Watch out for him because he might do you great harm. But the Lord's going to deal with that. I don't think that's like a bitter, God's going to get him. I don't think that's it. I don't think you can strain forward towards what's ahead if that's what's in your heart. But I think he's trusted that God's got that. 
And then he says, at my first defense, everyone deserted me, um, but may the Lord not hold it against them. And he says that emphatically. And I think joyfully, like, no, 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 that's fine. Like, that's not fine. You know what I mean? Not coffee cup fine, but you know what I mean. Like, he's lamented it properly. And so we have to, we have to do that. When you don't lament properly and get beyond stuff, you end up stuck and bitter. You stop trusting people because you've been hurt in the past and you don't want to be hurt again. And Paul's not in that place. Uh, he's had a number of relationships go south, but he hasn't stopped trusting um, because he's dealt with it uh, in the right way. Don't let the events of the past dictate your future, I think is what it means to forget what lies behind. What do we have to forget? What do you have to forget? And what do you have to be thankful for? And what do you have to lament? And individually, like, you have to do your own inventory of that, you know, and I would encourage you to do that. In the last year, it's probably a lot of things to lament. Uh, COVID was hard, is hard, and is continuing to be hard. And for the last year, for you, that can mean, like, like loss of life. It can be loss of family members, loss of friends. It could be the loss of a job or friendships um, to COVID. It certainly means the loss of some experiences, you know. My son went through his senior year in high school during COVID, and my daughter, freshman, like just experiences like that are real losses. Um, there may be COVID things to be thankful for. I was on a call the other day with some pastors, and we realized that half of us are going on COVID vacations. Like the government gave us money to stimulate the economy, so we're going to in Puerto Rico about a week from now, you know. Uh, and so we, we can be thankful for that. Um, your inventory can be broader than that, a uh, week and a half ago, is that right? I'm getting old, so I can't remember dates. Two weeks ago, I turned 50, two and a half weeks ago, I turned 50. And, um, and so turning 50 has been like a year or two long inventory. And I, this week really crystallized it for me. That's what I've been doing. It's going back and like really treasuring with gratitude some great things for 50 years, but then lamenting um, to the Lord some things that I wish had been different over 50 years, you know? And so that might be it. For us as a church, what have we lost? Oh, my gosh. Just sitting there worshiping with you, I thought, I don't think I can do this. I'm going to lose it because we've lost a year of being together like this and worshiping the Lord together. And we take that so for granted. I've talked about how Sunday mornings are micro-expressions of love. That's why my free hugs t-shirt on. They're micro-expressions of man, I love you, I care about you. We have name tags because we don't remember each other. It's been a long time. We had that problem beforehand. You know, it gives us a chance to reset some things, but you're, we get to care for each other's kids and disciple them and let them know that Jesus loves them. We've lost a year of that. We've lost some people. Um, I've, heard, I've heard this time and time again. Pastor, expect that 20% of your church at least isn't coming back. And some people have just moved across country um, or across the state, and we haven't had the chance to say goodbye. Some people have moved on and decided it's, you know, the time the Lord wants them to, to move on to a different church, and we haven't been able to say goodbye. Some of that's COVID-related, and some of it's not COVID-related. Um, we've lost the intangible sense of being as a church that comes with regularly meeting together here and uh, in home groups and just different places that we meet together. We lost a year of being able to invite our neighbors into the life of the church you know, with the exception of a live stream, which has been great, but it's, it's different than being in the room together. We've been surviving. 
forgetting what lies behind. There for us as a church, I think coming out of this and changing some things, there are some good things that we need to, we need to leave in the past as well. We've had some great seasons as a church. We've had some hard, we're 15 years old as a church, hard seasons as a church. We've, we've seen people come to know the Lord and get baptized. We've seen deep, lasting spiritual growth. We've seen families whose families' lives are going to be changed for generations because of how the Lord has used um, the church. We've seen friendships that have endured for years, kids that have grown in the training and instruction of the Lord. And we could be grateful for that. But man, we can't live, no church can live in the past because it could be an anchor that keeps us from moving towards the future forgetting what lies behind. Now, Paul is looking forward, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What lies ahead that's worth straining towards? Straining, I just want to note, like this is a really intense passage. Um, when he says press on twice in that little passage, it's the same verb that's used to describe how Paul persecuted the church. When Paul persecuted the church, you know, he went after him. He was on the road to Damascus to arrest Christians and punish them. Um, and there was an intensity to that. And this press on comes out of the same sense straining towards it's all an athletic picture of an athlete that has a prize in front of them and they are singularly focused on straining towards that prize and so you forget what lies behind because if you're looking you're running that way you can't be turning around and looking what's in the rearview mirror get distracted by what's sideways you're focused on what's ahead there's a prize that Paul is after I want to acknowledge that this week when I was getting into what those verbs really meant, I thought, man, that seems like a lot to ask right now, pressing on and straining forward because I'm really tired. <laughs> like I am straining towards a vacation in Puerto Rico next week. And so, so I just want to acknowledge that. There's a little COVID tired, but I want to be, I, I want this. Like I said, at 50, I don't want to be living in the past. I want to be straining to, towards what's ahead. And so what's the prize for Paul? Certainly it involves mission. Um, Paul is not done. Paul's in Rome and he wants to get in front of the Caesar. Every challenge is an opportunity for the mission of helping people come to know and follow Jesus and Paul's after that. When he, when he writes that to Timothy, he says, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles and that all the Gentiles might hear it. When he writes to the Galatians, he says, for me to live as, to live as Christ and to die is gain. And he, and he says to them, it would be better for you if I live and stay here, but better for me if I go and be with Christ. And it's like the dual nature of the prize, that if God has them here, it's mission. It's better for the people around him. Um, I don't, I, I think we have this in there, but do we have the crisis response graph in here? I just didn't highlight it in my notes, and so I'm not sure I have it. If we don't, I can kind of, there we go. Uh, this, for us as a church, straining forward to what's ahead in terms of mission, um, John introduced this, not the exact same one, but about how we respond to crises, and it was really accurate. So a crisis hits, COVID hits in the left-hand side there, 
things kind of dip. You're like, oh, what are we going to do? And then, and then there's a heroic response. And so we, Daniel Floyd figures out how to do a, a live stream, you know, like in a week, just like that. We get lights. We get all this stuff set up. Jake figures out how to lead worship. All, the, all of this is a heroic response. We're like, we got this COVID thing. Uh, we do those getting to know you videos last summer. Our home group's got online. We're like, COVID, you got nothing. COVID's like, I got a little something more, you know. <laughs> we get late summer. We think maybe those numbers are going to tail off. And COVID's like, no, they're not. And we go through the winter, like how did how did this get the way it was? And then we struggle through that, and then in the spring we start creeping up, and maybe we're halfway through um, on that. I'll tell you this about the church: in that bottom part, God did a lot of good stuff at Oak City Church behind the scenes. And so the elders were already working on like mission and vision and tightening that up, and really adopting a planning process that will will change the way we operate as an elder board and as a staff and as a church that we've needed for a long time and it is going to be super helpful that keeps us on like three-year goals and one-year goals and 90-day goals as staff and elders to move forward. Um, super helpful. Our, our elders, I've loved every single elder we've ever had as a church. Our elders are just more aligned right now than they've been in a while. We had some staff changes that that have been have put us in a, in a really healthy place as a staff and like for moving forward I think are going to be um, are going to be great for us. As I said, we've had some families move and some families move on, but we've had families move in as well, and we need that. Like, it's a chance for us to reorient ourselves as a church because for a few years, I've said this to, to various people, I feel like I passed through two churches, one that's been here for 10 years and more and one that's been here for, for five years of less. And, um, or five years or more and five years of less or less. And the people that have been here for less time feel like they're on the outside of things. And the people that have been here for a long time feel like, well, no, there's not an inside here to be a part of. But there's just some dynamic we can't help. And I said this a couple weeks ago on Sunday nights, and I'm going to keep saying it. There's no inside and there's no outside at Oak City Church. If you're here, guess where you are? You're on the inside, baby. Like, this is it. <laughs> and so we need you just to be a part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ, when it's described in Corinthians, doesn't have an inside and outside. It's just the body of Christ, and everybody's got a part to play. And so it gives us a chance to do that. So, and I think on that graph, like, where we end up is going to be higher than where we started because there were some things that we needed to fix that had nothing to do with COVID as a church. So we're straining forward to that. But more than that, for Paul, the true prize is not mission. The true prize is Jesus. It's Jesus. And so some of his language in this passage, he says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And so he's just listed off all the things that he had accomplished. Um, and he says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth, value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's it. Knowing being in relationship with Jesus. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. Not my righteousness that I package up enough good stuff and bring it to God, but, but God's righteousness where his righteousness that he gives us through Jesus on the cross and he comes to us. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You want to know the power of a resurrected Christ? You want to experience that? I do. The same spirit that raised him from the dead is in us. 
That's his prize. That, that's our prize. That I may share in his sufferings, become like him in his death by any means possible, and may attain, attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul doesn't want to just do things for Christ. He doesn't want to know about Christ. I think he'd sacrifice all of his ministry accomplishments if they got in the way of him knowing Jesus. We can't be more concerned about doing things for Christ than we are about drawing near to the Jesus who loved us enough to die for us. And the love is what fueled the intensity of Paul's ministry. So in that verse, he says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I'm going to make it my own. That's the same verb as when he says, Christ Jesus has made me his own, right? I strive towards that because he strived for me. I'm straining forward, pressing on forward because he pressed on for me. It's all a response to the gospel. I'm rereading um, a book called The Praying Life by Paul Miller and um, that we, we went through a few years ago, a lot of us as a church. And the first few, in the first few chapters, he's got a few chapters about coming to Jesus like a child. He basically says, hey, you all stink at prayer, right? Just admit it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I do. I stink at prayer. Because we come and we're distracted and we can't sit still for just a few minutes. He's like, Jesus said, come to me like a child. He understands that. Children do not come really focused with like their, you know, their glasses on and a list of things. Maybe your child does. Every once in a while there's a child that does. Um, Mom and Dad, I have a list of things that I'd like to go over with you. But that's not it. They're, they come like just saying whatever's on their mind and whatever they want and throwing a fit. And he's like, come to Jesus, come to the Father as a child. Uh, he, reminds, he reminds us in those chapters of Jesus saying, come to me you who are weary and heavy laden. You have a father in whose lap you can crawl up and rest. And Paul wants that relationship more than anything else. And he strains toward that because Christ strained towards him. It wasn't that he was good enough or did enough. It wasn't dead religion dependent upon our work, but relationship based on the work of Christ on our behalf. And now because he's seen that Christ has overcome the power of sin and death, he wants that power, not our power, but the power that comes from him. If we miss this, we'll, we miss everything. We'll never strain ahead like we're running towards a prize if we don't remember how he strained because we were his prize. And it's so easy to forget it. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion. And um, the way that we're going to do that is we got the little... I'm going to apologize for this because these are difficult, you know. But we got the little, you tear off the, the deal. I don't even know. You're going to have to figure it out. But tear off the thing and get the wafer and then get the juice. But, um, uh, but we, we do this, Jesus said, in remembrance of, of him. And it's not that Jesus thought, oh, they're going to forget about that. Who is that Jesus fella again? Like, that's not it. But we're going to forget the gospel in our souls. And it's going to turn into religion instead of a relationship with him. It's communion because we commune with him through his work for us uh the the article i linked in the weekly this week was a, that dan sent me this week it was about we need church because we're forgetful and throughout the bible he says remember 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 because he knows how quickly we'll forget and we need this so why is the church critical for all of this um, in the rest of the passage after this paul says brothers join in imitating me keeping your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us you need people 
right? For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. The God is their, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is from heaven, and from it we wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. It's really hard to do this alone. There's too many distractions when he says their God is their belly. All of us face that temptation because there's too many like lame prizes out there that we can chase after instead of Christ. When I was a kid, I used to love going to Perkins to eat when we went as a family because they had that wishing well thing out there that just had the crappy prizes in it, you know? And I think so much of what we end up chasing after and striving after and getting so excited about are just substitute bad prizes. What prizes are you after that don't mean anything, you know? It's so easy to take the gifts that he gives us and let them become gods that we worship to expect that they are going to give us life, whether that be family or friends or money or accomplishments or stuff or good things that he's given us but taken out of place. It's too easy to get discouraged and to forget the gospel and who we are in Christ. The devil attacks those in the, uh, throughout the Bible. He isolates people and then he attacks them. And we're alone. When we're alone, that's what he does. We need the rhythms of the life of the church. That's why we do um, through version. You can still sign up for that. We just started, but a, another reading plan because we read it together and get to hear how God is speaking to each of us because we're together in that. So we need Sunday services that shape our hearts. We need critical relationships through whatever means it is or ministry it is in the church where we've got people saying, hey, I love you. <laughs> and remember who you are in Christ. And And... Don't settle for less. Keep the bar high. I heard a um, podcast the other day, and it was a pastor talking about, he went to a birthday party for a mentor of his that turned 100 years old. And the guy had three birthday parties, one for family, one for friends, and one for mentees that he'd mentored. So there were like 70 people there that he'd mentored, and they all said something about the influence this guy had had on their life, which is, oh, man, I'd love to be a fly in that wall. He said there were some common threads, and one of them is that the guy would just call them on a regular basis and, say, and leave a voicemail and say, hey, I just, want, I just want you to know that I love you, and I'm praying for you, and that's it. And does that lift your soul a little bit? <laughs> Do you need to hear that? Uh, we need that, and we need it from each other. We need church, and we need the table. We need to be brought before Christ to remember what he's done. So um, it, the band can come back up here, and here, what we're going to do is give you a chance to respond in two ways. One, in a minute, is going to be the table. When we start singing again, we invite you to come up if you've recognized who Jesus is and what he's done for you, and, and you are remembering that because you've accepted who Jesus is, and we invite you to, to take part in communion. It's his body that's been broken for us and his blood that's been shed for us. If, you're, if you haven't done that yet and you need to surrender to Christ for that first time of recognizing he is Lord and and he has done something for me I cannot do for myself, and I want to surrender to him, then just do that, and then come take communion, because there's no better way to start out with him. And then let us know, because you're a spiritual infant, and you're about to make a mess. And so that's what we're here for. You know, so we're going to give you that chance to respond. We have some connect cards, and we've been in the, the habit as a church of doing this earlier in the service, but we just decided to try some things out. And then those connect cards is like, for us to connect with you, but you to connect with God, and there's space for prayer requests and praises. And so if you've got something you would like us to be in prayer with you about, you can write it on there and drop it in the box in the back. But just take a minute now and, um, 
And, and, if, and if there's something that God's prodded you about, something that you need to lament and leave behind and you need to get started in that process, just write that down for yourself. If there's something you need to be grateful for that you realize you've taken for granted, write that down. If there's something you're striving towards that is not worthy of your intensity, but you're giving it your intensity, then just write that down between you and the Lord. But take a minute now um, while these guys play before this next song and just take a minute with the Lord and respond to however he is speaking to you. And then again, once we start um, singing, we invite you to come up and take communion.